I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. All right, welcome back, Chiaholics. Episode 158. Got some big news here, folks. Uh, Producer Sean has contracted the Dirty Sea, as they call it, better known as COVID. So he's not with us this evening, but in his stead, we have the one and only Big Shoots. And we're back. Shoots is back in the building. Uh, How are you, my friend? Fantastic. I just got rid of the Big C. Uh, Did you really? No, no COVID. I've never had COVID. What was the Big C? Never. Wow. I know like three people in the world who have nice work. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Maybe I've had it and I just never got tested or anything, but I haven't. Been ill enough to wow. Think. I think I've You're taken like a couple tests in bullet vision. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good for you, man. Hey, regardless, so good to see you. Yes, I am happy to be here. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Sean had to be sick for it, but I'll take it. Yep, yep. But good to see you. As I said, we also have uh, Doctor Nick with us this evening. Doctor Nick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Big shoots, man. Good to see you. <laughs> we were we were talking before the show. Love the beard. Trying to rock it, you know. Yeah, knew, knew me. Look at him. He's rocking it. Is that like a geo beard rocking? There we go. All right. We'll take that. (laughs) He's all slimmed down. His face is all chiseled. I mean, this is a new shoot. Not chiseled. We got some work to do on that. We're getting there. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've I've gotten through the debulking. Now I got to build some muscle instead of just being lazy. I like it. Good for you. Good for you. That whole lifting weights thing sucks. It's awesome. Way overrated. It's awesome. We missed you. Good to see you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Um, other than that, um, gosh, not a whole lot new with me. Although I got to talk, you know, we talk about uh, Keith Masbach's quote all the time. You know, we're in a geospatial moment. For some reason, over the last couple of weeks, um, and maybe it's just me catching up with the times, but between chat GPT and all this other stuff that's going on, I feel like we're in this like... I don't even know, technological moment right now that is snowballing. Do you guys feel the same way? A little yeah, bit of I a asked revolution. Chat GPT this morning and it told me so. You know what? Chat GPT helped me write some questions for this evening's show. <laughs> it's no I, joke. Uh, I, saw, I saw a great quote on LinkedIn the other day and it, it was basically, it's AI won't rule or, or AI won't take your job. The person who uses AI will take your job. Mm. 100%. Brilliant. Hundred percent. I, I have a friend who just used it to complete their annual performance review. They oh. fed it a few metrics, and yep. then it, it cranked out a review for them. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing quite yet, but I just started watching a movie. I only got halfway through it. I think it was called uh, X Machina. Machina. I'm not sure how you say it. It's an Ex older Machina. movie, right? Yeah. What is it called? Yeah. X Machina. About Machina. Uh, AI. AI, they use, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, the, the Don't give it away. billionaire. Don't give it away. I'm halfway through. Okay, okay. I'm okay. finishing what it tonight, as a matter of fact. Who starts a movie and ends it halfway to come back to Dude, it? Dude, it's like 9.30. It's past Still, my bedtime. If, if you, it obviously isn't that good if you're willing to go to sleep and no, say, it I'm was coming back. good, but it was getting so good that I was tired, and I'm like, okay, I got to be fully rested uh, and engaged you need to that. be able to appreciate this. I got you. Eyes peeled, so, full attention. Yes, and the sleeping pills were kicking in, so... Those do, that. so that'll happen. You just need one of those clockwork orange setups and just peel your eyelids. Back. 
Oh my God! Had the Clock lovely Megan orange. eye dropping for you the whole time. What a movie that was! Holy crap! Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, shoots, are you prepared to tell us about that opening number? I can do that if you really want me to. Go for it. I'm not. I got to give the disclaimer. Not a huge fan. Respect you two and their fans. And I just saw them in the whole Kennedy honor. So great for them. Just never my cup of tea. Mm. But. Let me give you a little, infor- little information about them. U2, that song was Trip Through Your Wires. U2 That's is true. a rock band from Dublin, Ireland, that formed in 1976. The band consists of four members, Bono, of course, The Edge, of course, and then there's other, other two guys that nobody ever knows. That would be Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. Mm-hmm. U2 released 14 studio albums, have sold an estimated 150 to 170 million records worldwide, have won 22 Grammy Awards, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005. Rolling Stone ranked them at number 22 at, on the list of 100 Greatest Acts of All Time, and they have 17 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Unbelievable. And what did we leave out on here? What do we leave out? The uh, worst album ever preloaded pre- on an iPhone. What are you talking about? You don't remember that? When you got like the new oh. iPhone and it had that U2 album on there? <laughs> I do remember My that. phone would always just randomly pull it up and it's like the dude hugging the other guy. On yeah. The, yeah. That's yeah. the yeah. only YouTube I have in the last five years or U2 yeah. experience in the last five years mm. other than... We need to open your eyes a little bit. I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> and here, here's the thing. Like like myself, our our guest this evening is a huge U2 fan, so I was really excited to have bring U2 back for... Actually, I did some research. This is the fourth time we've used a U2 song. Wow. Are I'm, they I'm number one? one? They're number one. Who, is there anybody at three? Or Oh, gosh. I don't know. I think uh, maybe Aerosmith we've used two or three times okay. or something. But four times. This is the fourth time fourth for you. Hey, they, they are worldwide popular. Mm, massive. Massive. Yeah. So I'm speak, a big fan. Speaking of music, i got to throw this in there real Please quick. Please do. I mentioned it to you. Mm-hmm. Local in Arizona, if anybody's mm. excited, coming up. Yep. Um, to give terrestrial radio a plug, there's a rock station locally, and they got their big yearly concert. And uh, I heard the Black Moods mentioned to be there. Our so good friends congratulations to them. That's, yeah. a, that's a big gig for them. It's huge. Yeah, it's good. They're, they're starting to get a lot of really good momentum right now. So if you haven't heard of the Black Moods, give them a listen. They're available everywhere. Okay, let's move on. We are in tonight. We're in the Get Kids Into Survey studio. Does it alternate? Sponsored by Trent Keenan, of course. And a little known fact about TK. He's going to be in Arizona this coming weekend. Rock and roll marathon. Like this weekend? Like this, in a couple days? Yes, in a couple days. He's going to be in town. I think my schedule just cleared up this weekend. You should, you Get should, the clubs. Yes, give him a shout. Give it's, a shout. it's been a while since I've been out in the, <laughs> on the golf course, so I don't want to embarrass myself with him. But I know he's got a pretty full weekend. I'm trying to grab dinner with him one night. We're, I don't know, trying to make some plans, but we'll see. But anyways, hopefully, either way, even if, he, if we don't grab dinner, I think I'm still going to go down there and watch him run the, yeah, the let me know. I'm whatever. wide open. I haven't yeah, seen you. Aren't you supposed to be running in this with him? Uh, not was that this they one. Had one of the deals at one point in time? Uh, Did you lose a bet or something? No, it was I. I was supposed to run a half marathon. Is that what this is? Yep. All right, I'll tell him like if I actually see him this weekend, I'll do it next year with him. I'll All put right. I'll put it out there right now. I'm All feeling right. healthy. There you go. And gym ratty enough that give it another year and I'll be almost pretending to be ready. All right. All right. Fair enough. We're gonna hold you to it. <laughs> All right. We are uh, next up. The Airworks random subject matter of the week. So Shoots has no idea what's happening right now. Uh-oh. So you have two choices, my friend. Do you want New York Giants trivia or Howard Stern trivia? I'll go Stern. Really? Yeah. Okay. What year did Howard Stern begin his nationally syndicated radio program? 82? Nope. 84. 
Keep going. Uh, higher? Yes. Wow. Uh, 88? 86. 86. I was a year old. Oh, well, there you go. But I know you're a huge Howard Stern fan. I am. I Well, I was a year old. That's why I didn't know when he started. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I didn't quite listen to him yet. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to give you the New York Giants trip right. as well. All right. Uh, who is the all-time passing leader for the New York Giants uh, in terms of passing yards? That's a good one. Mm. Somebody that I would Are you going to go 0 for 2? It's not Eli. Eli That's the obvious answer. It is? It is. Wow. That just seemed too easy. I know. Because they have not had prolific passers in their history. I know. Um, uh, 57,023 passing yards. That's a few. Yeah. He He had a good run. Man, he is entertaining on that That, Monday night. Well, the whole Manning family. Yes. Oh, that commercial with J.B. Smoove. That guy's (laughs) hilarious on his own. Then you throw them in the mix. It's fantastic. Well, they're just so natural. Yes. They, they, They got nothing to prove. They're very comfortable. Yep, for sure. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. For today's Point of Beginning segment, we are staying in the realm of geospatial history. Have you ever heard of a Cubit? No, no, not the old school video game Cubert, but Cubit. A Cubit is a unit of linear measurement that was used in ancient civilizations including Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Israel. It is typically defined as the distance from one's elbow to the tip of the middle finger and was used in many cultures for many years. It was often used to measure the length of various building materials and to lay out the plans for building construction projects. The cubit was used to build architectural monuments, such as the pyramids and the sphinx. Additionally, the ancients used it to make measurements for agricultural projects and for the construction of canals, dikes, and other urban infrastructure systems. A cubit was also found to be used in ancient trade. You may ask, then, what happened to the cubit? And the answer is, it was replaced by ancient Greece and Rome's use of the foot as the most common unit of measurement in quote-unquote the known world. From that historical juncture, the measurement of the foot evolved into what we know today. And for all you Jeopardy fans out there, you're welcome. You just learned a bit of random knowledge. Go cubit. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. All right, next up, Liquid Death's Weekly Words of Wisdom. Um, This is a quote that I selected for this evening's show. Uh, The role of GIS is not just to make maps, but to connect the dots and reveal patterns in the data. Jack Dangerman, founder and president of Esri. And that is a perfect lead into our guest this evening, who is John Nelson. A little bit about John. He was born and raised in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. He attended Central Michigan University. Go. Central Michigan. What was it? It's fire up chips. Fire up chips. Chippewas. Oh man, that's awesome. Can you name like one sports person that's come out of Central Michigan? Oh man, lots. Who's the the biggest one? Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, Maybe that's where he learned to drink. uh, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Under Dan. Yeah. Yep. yep. But John Lopes to a whack, you know, I think a whack runner up. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. He had a good run there, but John earned his uh, GIS degree there at central Michigan university. Uh, he loves camping and spending time in his workshop and he actually met his wife at a ceramics class. Ooh, Interesting fun fact there. He was um, ghosting it up with her making a van. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ghost? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I watched that before I listened to Howard Stern. Oh, man. He is uh, currently part of the, we're going to find out more about this because I'm very interested in this, currently part of the Living Atlas team at Esri. Um, one of the highlights of his career is Robert, I'm going to butcher this, Krolwich wrote an article about a map he made. We're also going to talk about that because it's a great article. And uh, he loves to create things and answer questions. Very, very good. John, thanks for being here. Welcome to the Geoholics. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Appreciate Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for the invite. For sure. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. And thanks to Dr. Nick for helping to make this happen. So now you, we Nick. do our Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. So you're not prepared for this, but here we go. John, you're up first. What's the most interesting or unique place you've ever traveled to and why? Ooh. Kotzebue, Alaska. Ooh. Which is near the Arctic Circle. And uh, goofed around in the waves there, the water, so you could say I uh, wow. swam technically in the what is that? Is that the Arc? It's the Bering Bering Sea. Bering. Anyway, it yeah. was cold, so <laughs> I was there. The sun never set. Wow! And there's just people whizzing around on four wheelers all hours of the night. Kids playing baseball all night. Didn't matter what time it was. Crazy. Do you and just lose sense crazy. of time altogether? It's like, got to be weird, right? Yeah. yeah. It's your circadian rhythm. Like, doesn't it rely on day and night? Well, it does for me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I've lived there for a thousand years. Maybe they've gotten used to it. But uh, yeah, uh, six months of night, six months a day, practically. It's It's bananas. There's, there's and nothing I, normal about there's that. There's nothing normal. <laughs> and I, I just heard recently the people up in Alaska, like the, the folks that, that live there, are some of the nicest people you ever meet. So yeah. I cannot confirm yeah. that one way or the other, but... Just uh, give yeah, them a free fantastic plug. Fantastic folks. They yep. get that Canadian politeness. It, it, Maybe. Leak, it leaks into it leaks in Alaska. <laughs> Alaska. So, Nick, how about you? What's your answer to that question? Yeah, I was thinking about it. I've, I've been blessed and got to travel a little bit, both like professionally and uh, personally. But I'd have to say uh, Salzburg in Austria. Uh, nice. If you're a fan of like Sound of Music, maybe something you watch during the holidays. Mm. Uh, it is a beautiful area, the castle and the lake, and it's it's just absolutely stunning. Of course, the beer is really good. Mm. Only within an hour, you can be in Munich for, you know, like Oktoberfest. And nice. uh, when I was there, beyond it being like just this magical place, and I think it was Mozart's from there. And uh, oh. I was there with my, my dad, and it was a really cool trip. Um, we took a couple of years ago right before COVID. And so, yeah, really special, cool place. Highly recommend it. Uh, really cool. Very cool. How about you, Shoots? Um, what comes to mind? Shibugamu, Canada. I have Shibugamu. no idea where that is. It's and it's, I am a big Canadian fan. So where the hell is that at? I, uh, north, north, of north of Montreal, <laughs> north of and, Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, that was back. I lived in New York, and yeah. uh, my parents had split up a few years earlier. My uncle and my dad were like, "We're taking the boys fishing." Oh, nice. So we went up. It was so long in the car playing the Sega Game Gear. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was a fishing trip. And, like, where we were camping, the lake, when you went out, as far as you went, it was never past, like, your waist Crazy. deep. 
And then, like, the couple of the fishing spots were great, the northern pike. And I, oh, learned, yeah. I learned that walleye scare the hell out of me. Yep. And there's a difference between northern and musky. Some people don't realize that. I guess. Yeah. So, and then, like, you know, we're coming back down. We went through Montreal and stuff. So it was a good trip. But yeah, Shibugamu, cool. there was nobody up there back in the day before, like, energy drinks. They had Pepsi Max with extra mm. caffeine. Yep. My dad and my uncle enjoyed a few Molson Triple Xs, the, yep. you know, the super powerful beer up there. Yeah. So. That was a bad mix. The yep. old guys getting drunk and the young kids getting jacked up on caffeine. Dude, that basically describes my childhood as well. <laughs> Pretty much. Remember Jolt? Yes. Yeah. Twice the sugar and all Jolt. the caffeine yes. it yeah. said. And I was a little kid. I thought it was naughty. Like, oh, my goodness. Yep. Rob's drinking Jolt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was He's like going to hell. Like, it was hard to find. And it was like, oh, where'd you get it? Like, it was a drug or something. Back Only the, the like, sketchiest gas stations that everything was, like, expired. <laughs> You're like, this right. can't be good. The and name of the jolt. and fun dip. Yep, yeah, for Shibugamu sure. Shibugamu is way up there. Yeah, it was somebody, a long car ride. Somebody Googled it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I don't care to ever go back there, not for any other reason. Why other the hell did they the pick mi- that place? I, maybe they went there when they were kids or something. Surely there was someplace closer. They would have had the same effect. There was that's nobody around. That's a multi-day drive it from was. New York. You were driving for days. Uh, we weren't in the city. We were up in Albany, so we had a little bit of time off of that drive out of New York. But hmm. uh, no, it was a good cool. trip, and uh, like there was nobody around. Yeah. And that was kind of yeah. nice. We don't normally experience that. For so. sure. Um, and then it's good. It's I good. guess the only other part of it that I remember is the guy having a really thick French accent, and oh. my brother is the third. Yep. And he kept calling him the turd. <laughs> the turd. <laughs> that's something to remember. Yeah. That's why you liked it. Yeah. Of all the things on the trip, I remember that. So uh, that's great. That and great fishing. So what about awesome. you, Kent? What I know uh, there's got to be a solid answer here. Well, you, you kind of stole my thunder just a Uh-oh. little bit because mine is Canada as well, uh, in Alberta, uh, Banff National Park. One of the most oh, beautiful yeah. places I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life. Incredible, incredible. Is that um, wrong with Canada? Oh, no, we I love Canada. We can have two Canadian answers. I say it all the time. If I could live in Canada five months out of the year and here seven months out of the year, I would do that in a heartbeat. So if anybody out there is hiring for a position just like that, I'm your guy. All right. So Bam. you want the warm Shameless weather both plug. ways. Well, no, well, cool weather. I'd go get out of here deep. in the summertime. Okay. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to know John a little bit more here. So, John... From what I read in the, you know, the biography information that you provided, both of your parents were geography teachers. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah, true story. My mom was a middle school geography teacher and art teacher. And my dad was a professor of geography at Central Michigan University. So, yeah, it was, it was great. Both awesome. a couple of teachers. I thought I was going to be a teacher. But, yeah, uh, yeah it, was a, it, was a good, it was a great childhood because we would have summers off. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. When both your parents are teachers. Yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, we'd cram into a station wagon and tour the country. And my dad would have his Kodachrome, you know, taking slides of everything Mm. and using my mom as scale. And uh, (laughs) it was awesome. That is cool. So you kind of, the whole GIS thing kind of came naturally, sounds like. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do in uh, early college, high school, early college. I thought maybe I'd want to be an eye doctor because I had an eye injury. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. Interesting. And um, after high school chemistry, that, that cured me of that notion that I could ever be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So I forgot that. But I did uh, say pre-med on my intended major when I went to college because it looks better than saying undecided, right? When they look down the list of their <laughs> right. students who's in class. Oh, look at this kid. <laughs> pre-med. Um, yeah, I had a 
a cartography course and it was uh it was like oh yes this just seems right i loved it yep yep you knew right then huh was your was one of your parents teaching it <laughs> no although i did uh my my dad was a professor in that geography department and so i like practically grew up there and um he wasn't teaching that one but i did take almost all of his classes which is a trip mm. he was great i loved it i didn't feel like weird or embarrassed uh, right it was a lot of fun yeah something i want to circle back on there because i think it's something that doesn't happen as much anymore, if hardly ever. Uh, and I kind of did the same thing. You mentioned growing up as a kid, you know, in the summertime, you know, you and your parents would load up the station wagon and, and just go. Right. And, uh, um, my, my family was able to do that a number of times as well. And I, I just don't think that happens. So, I mean, I, what, how important is it? Do you think that, you know, kids do spend time outdoors because it just doesn't happen anymore. Like it did. Oh yeah. Just outdoors in general. Yeah. It's so important. That's huge. Uh, my wife is uh, into learning about different education modes and that kind of thing. And we homeschooled our kids one year during COVID just because it was, you know, pandemonium. And sure. we didn't know if they were going to be in and out. We didn't want them looking at a, a laptop all day, every day. And so um, she homeschooled and did a ton of research. And she was reading about these, like, really amazing programs. And in, uh, in Sweden, a big part of mm. what they do when, when the kids are younger is a lot of their time is spent outside and just a little bit of his, you know, you come in and you do your, you know, your lessons, but you go back outside and they, they have some structured activities outside and kind of weave learning into that. And uh, I think maybe I was talking to Nick about this it, one time, the, the book of Sloyd, there's this educational principle called Sloyd where kids are hands-on mm. they're working. You know, the first thing they give you is like, a pocket knife. Can you imagine giving a bunch of third graders pocket knives? No way. Turn them loose? But, uh, and then they build up with different tools and they learn sure. control and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, oh yeah, like, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, I lived outside. Uh, on the other hand, I say that, but I'm, I'm a filthy, rotten liar. I was outside a lot, but I was also in my basement watching TV a lot too. <laughs> you know, turning the channels. Dunk, 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 oh yeah. See what was on. Yep. But uh, I don't know that balance. But uh, yeah, there's probably less of it, I'd say. I don't know. I sound like an old man, like kids need to get outside now, but it's true. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's talk about uh, life at Esri a little bit and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, living the Living Atlas team. What, what are you doing there? Well, it's a cool team. So Living Atlas is a, is a team within Esri that's like this. It's kind of a weird little microcosm of GIS. Because Living Atlas is a repository of data or um, customers can put their data there and make it shareable. So it's a little bit like a hub or a, a Wikipedia of data, sort of. Customers can upload their stuff if they want it to be available to people. And, uh, you know, big organizations will will host their data and it'll be searchable and, and findable in Living Atlas and usable mm. data maps and apps and that kind of stuff. Um, but as a result, I mean, there's a demographer, there's an oceanographer, there's a <laughs> developer, you know, there, it's just like the slice, all these little, you know, verticals that are, you know, sometimes kind of siloed in the real world. You know, you've got like the utilities people and they never really talk to the demographics people, but in Living Alice, it's like this little buzzing hive of, of a GIS ecosystem. <clears throat> and it's super cool. I don't know what I contribute or do for Living Atlas, but everybody else is uh, a bunch of top-notch professionals. It's a lot of fun. 
That was a humble answer right there. Um, <laughs> with the Living Atlas, I guess I don't I don't have the background on it. So could you fill us in? Like, uh, how long mm-hmm. has this been going on? How much of it has it grown? Are you one of the original team members? No. Oh, I've been at Esri for seven years, which um, it doesn't feel like it's been seven years. It feels like it's just been like three years, I'd say. But again, that's like that COVID time yeah. warp. Um, but uh, I think the Living Atlas is probably like, nine years old or something pushing 10 years something like that i'm not one of the funding members certainly i was brought in to do ux design um so my background is in gis and geography but also um art and design and user experience and so i I do um a bit of ux design for the for the living atlas team so um for example the the oceanographer on staff, Keith Van Graflin, he'll have an idea of, you know, we've got coastal algal blooms, eutrophication. We want to show where it is historically, let people swipe through time and see where it's prevalent different times of year and see if you can predict it, that kind of stuff. How do we build an app for that? And what does it look like? That kind of thing. And so it's a, it's really cool. We get to do a lot of hand waving and talking and drawing sketches and making mock-ups and then it all becomes real it's like an interactive map where you can kind of scrub through time and see the different rates of algae and see where the ocean currents are taking them that kind of stuff um you know wildfire applications uh, but the cool thing is it's always something different and new it's not just one topic all the time so it's it's refreshing mm-hmm. and also i mean there's just so much data there you can never get to the end of it and so i'll kind of cruise around and surf around there or just you know in the wild on the web looking for geographic data and make interesting maps and then um, the making part is a lot of fun but then showing people how to do the exact same thing like this was fun here's what it looks like but here's exactly how i did it and here's you know how you can do it too with your own data if you want to do a different application or try it out with some some different data and make it your own that kind of thing it's a blast that's cool. I love it. That's so awesome. you're kind of like making the the instruction manuals, and you guys just hand those out. It's not proprietary of well, obviously if you're part of Esri and the Living Atlas, it's all available. Well, what I'll do is really I just in addition to the UX stuff, which is more like official, uh, maybe you know a slice of my day is is UX design, but then when I'm not doing those things, it's just kind of goofing around with the tools. And with GIS and making an interesting map and, and coming across the technique and going, oh, this is kind of cool. Or trying to mimic a technique from 100 years ago. And, you know, people are like, I don't know how they did that. Well, they, they did it because you had the full freedom of a brush and a canvas. And you can do whatever you wanted. Um, but how do you do that in the, you know, the rigid space of GIS? And so it's kind of fun to try to push down those walls and let people think, oh, man, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> right. In GIS it actually looks like lord of the rings map or something like that um so it's kind of fun to play around and surprise people but then to show them how they can do it too that's that's the best part i love it hey geoholics so by now i'm sure you caught our last show when we announced our new exciting partnership with xyht magazine we absolutely believe it's north america's best geospatial publication and something that all of our listeners should receive each and every month if you're not familiar with xyht they used to be known as professional surveyor magazine and recently rebranded to reflect all the cool geospatial content they've published 
all along. You may also have seen them at various conferences over the years, but did you know that the subscriptions are absolutely free? And when I say free, I mean no strings attached kind of free. So there's no reason not to subscribe. They'll also be giving away a drone package at GeoWeek next month in Denver. Can't wait to see them. And you can subscribe now by simply going to xyht.com forward slash subscribe, digital or print, whatever you prefer. Do not miss this opportunity. Get this publication sent to you every month at no cost. It's an absolute no-brainer. If you listen to the show, you are not only a geoholic, but you also love all things geospatial. Therefore, we are confident that you're going to love XYHT as well. Once again, go to xyht.com forward slash subscribe. So before we go any further, I'm just a surveyor. I don't want to make any bad assumptions. What does UX stand for? Oh, I'm sorry. User experience. That's what I So think. UI, UX, user yep. interface, user experience. Gotcha. Um, at a previous job, I was a, a UI, the UI person. Okay. And then at a certain point, it shifted to UX because that sounded cooler. Sure. <laughs> it's more than just the interface. It's not just an interface. It's an experience. <laughs> Immersion. And I want to shift over to UX. I wanted to give quick context uh, for some of the people that are maybe not as familiar with like the ArcGIS platform um, and the Esri world. Living Atlas, uh, and we might have talked about it recently, maybe with Joseph Kursky, but uh, the Living Atlas is a way that when you open up kind of the desktop software or the online software uh, through a web portal, you get an access to this repository. Imagine like an encyclopedia Britannica of maps, <laughs> but it's, it's more than that because uh, nowadays, everybody shares their stuff online, especially through the Esri AGO platform. But all the data that John and his team are talking about, are it's all like curated and reviewed. So it's, it's authoritative data. And then what's really neat is it's as easy as anybody that just clicks three buttons. They have access to thousands of maps and, and tons of interactive data that are you know, legitimate, not made in some basement across the street, who knows, you know, uh, you know, made for nefarious reasons or not. And so it's just like brought a ton of information into the household, you know, um, and it's, it's just, it, it's really fun to look through. And when John was saying he makes fun maps and he brought up Lord of the Rings, like he creates styles within the the system and he'll actually share those styles and so if you want a map to look like lord of the rings but it's central michigan you know john came up with that kind of like configuration but uh just to give some context if you're not in the esri platform just imagine in your software you just get to you know harness all this power you know with a single click and obviously ohio would be mordor <laughs> In that example, of course, of course. <laughs> oh man, as long as you don't rip on TCU. Oh geez, I don't know oh, if you guys God. watched that game. That was horrible. Uh, horrible. So, so uh, real quick, I just got to throw this out there. We we kind of glossed over it. Obviously, there's an art background with your mom being a teacher. Is that just natural ability, or she was she a big influence artistically on you as well that you kind of bring that to this as well? Oh sure. Well, moms are sacred, you know. Anything that they are, you know, a little boy wants to make her proud. But um, she was an art teacher, but we were a pretty, she and I were really artistic as I was growing up. She would really encourage me and be like, oh, that's beautiful. You know, just lavishly supportive of all the crap that I would say, you know, look what I made. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and uh, so I grew up thinking, man, I can do anything. I'm really good at this. You know, turns out I wasn't that good at it, but you're good at anything you, you practice. You know, that's the old, what's that? The uh, 
10,000 hours. Bob Ross. (laughs) Talent is just a pursued interest. And, you know, I'm kind of a nerd. And so in junior high and high school, I was like sitting in my room painting and like blending colors together and making color gradients and painting, you know, hockey masks and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, uh, I was really into art. And again, I didn't know what I wanted to be um, coming out of high school. And so I was just by default taking some art classes because it made sense and I loved it. And by default taking some classes from geography because it was like my second home. And um, it was trippy because I would start hearing a lot of the same stuff. So I'd be in a photography class in the art department and they'd be talking about filters, you know, like you want to filter out the UV light, and it, you know, and it darkens the sky and makes the clouds pop. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. And then I'd be in a remote sensing class and they'd be talking about wavelengths and what wavelengths, you know, you know, what the spectral properties are of the different surfaces and how to filter those out. And I was hearing the exact same thing. So, you know, one person was wearing flip-flops, you know, and the other person mm-hmm. was wearing their um, Keens. So, <laughs> yeah. oh man well let's talk kinda, like two sides of the same coin which is kind of cool yeah that is very cool let's talk about one map in particular that got some attention we mentioned it on the intro and that's the one that robert Kroll, did I, am i saying his name correctly is a cruel witch yeah robert Crawlwitch. Crawlwitch. love that guy yeah so he wrote an article about one of the maps that you created and it's yeah the, what the title day. of the article is the pulsing earth correct Yes. Yes. So and I read it today and I looked at this map and it made me look at the earth in a completely different way. Talk about how the concept of this map came to be first and foremost. Oh, sure. So um, to describe it, it's, re- it's like the simplest, dumbest thing. It's, um, it's 12 months of cloud-free imagery of earth. <laughs> and, you know, you see... January and it's kind of encased in ice in the northern area and then you see August and it's green and the southern hemisphere has a little bit of ice down at the bottom that kind of thing it's just 12 images that NASA released from NASA Visible Earth NASA Visible Earth team Uh, Rob Simmon was responsible for releasing those and I use that a lot as my base map one of them I just pick August like oh August is like the nice brightest one and so I download that and use that as a base map for a lot of the maps that I would make and I had a couple other ones and I downloaded at one point I had downloaded all 12 images. Each one is a month. And, um, it was a total, it was a total accident. The idea was an accident because I had the images like photographs in my folder and I was scrolling down looking for the right one. <laughs> and my, my, uh, my folder view had been kind of constrained down so the thumbnails just like one thumbnail at a time yeah. fit and i was scrolling down like this and i scrubbed down and it made like a little you know what is that a zoetrope like kind a of effect flip you chart do, like, thing big or whatever cartoon. Yeah. i was like and i saw the ice go and i was like whoa that's kind of interesting mm. and uh and so i followed up on that weird interesting idea and i put all the images into a projection that was a top-down perspective of Earth. So we're looking at the North Pole, and it's a uh, it's a it's a polar orthographic projection, and so it just kind of looks like you're looking down at the sphere of Earth. And I added like fake little shadow gradient at the edge and a little fake um, horizon mist ring around it a little bit. It's just very simple, and I desaturated it, and then I just stacked up the frames and hit play and made a little animated GIF, and that was it. It just goes do 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 and uh, 
the interesting part was getting the timing right. As I was playing with the timing, you know, you'd see the earth go, you know, it'd go slower, it'd go faster. And it turned out the one that really resonated, and I only realized this afterwards, because, you know, while you're working on it, you're like, this looks good, I'm going to go with this. Uh, it was uh, it was about the same pace as breathing, or like a heartbeat, like, you know, like the lungs of the planet. Yep. And it's this living thing, and it's moving. And I never thought of Earth as being like this contained thing that has like a pulse going boom, 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 boom. And it was, it was like a trippy perspective. And uh, it really, it's it's just this animated GIF. It's just an animated GIF of the globe, a little, you know, looking down at a globe. No big deal, especially now. You know, I've, I've seen similar things in the years since. But uh, at the time, it felt pretty profound to me. It, like, triggered some weird thing in me. And I even wrote about it. You, um, the, the feeling it made me feel like was, uh, you guys remember Ratatouille? Mm -hmm. Or that grizzled old reviewer uh, eats the, the, the ratatouille and it, like, the camera zips into the into his retina and it goes right into his mind, you know, and it's like yeah. him as a little kid crying, his mom gives him ratatouille and he feels better. It was kind of like that. I was like, just like, boom, it was like, I was transfixed just seeing this earth go boom, 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 over and over again, because it was a gif and it loops. Yeah. It just kept going and going and I wasn't focusing on like a little progress bar at the bottom, like, oh, it's going to end soon. What's next? It just went. And yeah, there's something kind of neat about that. And I was like, well, if I feel this way, maybe other people will feel this way. So I dumped it onto the web and it uh, it resonated with other folks too. Because, mm. you know, we're all living on that, that same little thing, breathing. Yep. Yeah, it made me feel a lot of stuff. I could go on and on about the weird feelings it gave me. Yeah, but, but, it's, uh, but I think you're exactly right. And after I've looked at it time and time again today, um, it just really put things in a different perspective. Like, like the earth is like a living being, you know, it was like the weirdest thing watching this. You think of the scale of it. it yeah. Your mind can't comprehend yeah. it really. Yeah. yeah. We'll put a link up on it. Of course, when we, when we post this, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty moving to be honest with you. So, and you mentioned like, you know, I think that was done how long ago, eight, nine years ago that you did it was that? forever ago. Now I'm, I maybe like, 2013 almost 10 years so almost ago, 10 years ago, years ago. Okay. yeah so and you mentioned it just a few minutes ago that you know now there's all kinds of things that are like that blah 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 um yeah. so what like what how, how what kind of maps are out there now that you've seen that you could kind of compare to that one that you created how would you have done would um, you have done anything different like if you were doing that same map or you know applying that same concept now is there anything you would do differently because of the, you know, the, I guess the information that's available now that maybe wasn't av available then. Well, I've seen uh, something similar from Eleanor Lutz. Eleanor Lutz does really beautiful mapping work and her background, I, she's getting a, I don't want to get it wrong. She's getting a PhD in something non, you know, geographic or cartographic, but she does maps and she does data viz. She's just so good at it. Um, she had a style where it, it would show kind of this this annual cycle boom, boom. she did it for like a bunch of different planets too which is beautiful but she applied kind of the ornate scroll work of old national geographic maps around it and and embellished it in mm. that way and kind of hyper saturated it and uh in that way it looked it still looked like a thing she and thingified the earth which is a big deal it's hard mm. to get that but it was more like a toy 
more like instead of looking vast in like like a thing it was like you could almost hear like the i don't know like the this kind of music going along with it you know <laughs> you know what i mean it gave yeah. me that kind of energy yeah. So yeah. I'd probably do something like that if I was doing it again today and it would have a different energy and maybe give people kind of different, different moods and ideas about how they felt about the earth. Gotcha. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your bio as well as something you're passionate about is creating things and answering questions. How does, you know, map making allow you to fulfill that passion? Well, I've got it made because I mean, really I get to sit in this weird little woodshed and just, <laughs> swim around in what a time to be alive and the data that's <laughs> no available doubt. to me just you know flying around i'll see something and be like oh that is interesting and i'll try it out like in the back in the day if somebody wanted to make a map you know you wanted to make a map of the census results in 1890 oh my goodness just think of the effort involved in that not not only like aggregating the data which they would have had to have done but just actually like plotting all the counties and etching that onto a copper plate and getting all the color tones right and it wasn't even a photographic process then you know they would have had different printing passes and and what's more i still look at those maps and they're so like achingly beautiful and i'm jealous of those people i'm like why am i jealous of these people like they had nothing but they just poured craft into it and i think hold on a second like there's this weird kind of teeter-totter balance of of usability. If something's like really easy to use and fast and you can just pick it up and go and you can make a map, then it's almost too easy just to make a map and just go with the defaults and say, okay, I did it. There, I'm done. But these people were like, well, I got to make a map. You know, I got to, <laughs> it's going to take me six months and I'm going to need all this parchment. I'm going to have to requisition all this ink and all these assistants, and they would really think about it because it was a big investment. And uh, I think about that, and I think, well, hold on. What if we can kind of capture that sense of like really honing a craft and being careful and, and creative about it, and pouring some love into the work that you're that you're making uh, instead of just kind of pushing it out and onto the next thing because we're like so fast, fast, fast. Next map, next map, that kind of thing. I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird balance. You kind of have to steal back some of that speed and efficiency and say, "Hold on, I'm going to take my time on this and do a slow work, and something else will come out of it." It's kind of like the uh, land surveyors and button pushers. Mm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And there's like all these AI things now too. You know, we talked about Chat GPT, but there's um, is it called Mid Journey? Are you guys familiar with this at all? Yeah, yeah. The that, art thing where you, you like give it a prompt and it oh. samples all the art of history and it'll just well, assembles. Yeah. You just, you know, you type in imagine forward slash, you know, map of Michigan with whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then in a matter of 30 seconds, it comes up with like four graphics that are for the most part, pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can, you can ask it to do it in the style of the style of yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is even crazier. It's incredible. And probably easier for the AI. Cause then it can like, Mm. filter it down drastically and yeah but uh it's really yeah. remarkable it really i didn't see, saw somebody do it with uh pokemon cards mm. pokemon card designed in 1910 and it looked like a pokemon card designed in 1930 1950 wow. and it was just spot on like a, you'd it's see crazy. this pokemon card in 1950 unreal to create the impossible yeah but. it's pretty amazing for sure nick jump in here what you got 
Yeah, John, I was just curious, you know, like we live in this world where we're trying to automate everything and have things easier access. We were just talking about the Living Atlas being piped down and getting, you know, all these wonderful data sets. But then on the flip side, you're saying, you know, we want to, you know, take time, you know, smell the roses, truly create art. So I guess my question for you is with all the people that you run across at conferences and all the work that you do throughout your Esri networking, do you find that there are still a lot of people that want to slow down and be true cartographers? Or are we getting to the age where, you know, or maybe maybe it's the market, right? We got to pump out maps as fast as we can, or we have to make it as efficient as possible because that's going a smart device, right? Or like a cell phone. Uh, do you feel like there are still people that are pushing forth cartography in, in that kind of sense? Do you see oh, that? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, there's people doing really amazing work, but um, kind of along that line, a lot of frequently I'll hear the comment, oh, I'd love to do that. I just, you know, don't have enough time or I'm going to do that this weekend or I'm going to do that after work. And I'm like, no, don't do it after work. Do it on the job, man. This is, uh, don't do it on, on your, do it on the boss's time because you're getting better and you're improving your skills. You're going to be a more valuable um, GIS person. If you take some time, you know, who knows how much time and just experiment and play and then take what you've learned and put that into the stuff that's assigned to you, you know, just because it's assigned to you doesn't mean it has to be like fast and rapid, but also just because it's fun and interesting and maybe thoughtfully designed also doesn't mean it has to be slow. You know, the more that you play around and experiment and learn and try things and take open courses and, and improve your skill set, the faster you get, the, the more options you have in that grab bag to reach into and apply to this map. I mean, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a slow process. You know, it, it starts out slow and that's important and gets things percolating and, like tea steeping, you know, it gets good. But after a while, you're just like, you're full of tea and you can just pour that tea out all over the place if you've had enough time. So we just need more owners, bosses, et cetera, to allow you the time to make that tea. There you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the I Love Lucy episode where the conveyor belt oh, yeah. starts coming faster yep. and faster Classic. and she keeps up and she's eating Start chocolates talking. and stuff. That's, I mean, it's it's your company's job to keep you busy because <laughs> you're there to, to fulfill a role and, and do work. Faster you do it, the company's like, this is great. Speed up the conveyor belt, you know, and a faster conveyor belt is good, but it doesn't necessarily after a while you'll get burnt out. You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. There's no, it's like you can't catch up on sleep. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, you can't cheat yourself by not investing in learning new techniques or methods and refreshing a skill set or something. <laughs> you'll get burnt out eventually. And if you're just doing what's prescribed to you to do and you do it as fast as you can, you're just not going to be very good at it and you're not going to be able to do it very long. Mm -hmm. but if you slow down, uh, and, and kind of do things, you know, thoughtfully. And I, I sound really smug, I realize as I'm saying this, but it's true. If you kind of like chill out and, and, and work on it, the conveyor belt will adapt to your speed and you're going to be doing a better job of mm. packing up those chocolates. Yeah. When I it slows that, down. Oops, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. 
No, no, I was just going to say, like, I, honestly, I was going to bring you up, Ryan. I mean, it, I think it applies across the board. It doesn't matter if you're doing like photogrammetry and processing data or out surveying a property or writing up a legal description or, you know, processing some type of SAR data. I, I think sometimes we just have to slow down uh, and really just take the time to care about the data. I, I don't know about y'all, but when I'm moving too fast, I make mistakes. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes you've got to slow down to speed up. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. Because there's always the cleanup that takes longer than if you just did it right slowly, yeah. obviously. But, like, also there's more care in it when you can actually slow down. And yeah. I don't Agreed. necessarily know if people enjoy their jobs or not. But, you know, when you get to slow down and do it at your pace, you definitely yeah. you have a little more care and effort into it than rush, 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 rush. And right. it's yeah, just right. natural human, you know. Well, yeah. we're all, all going to be replaced by AI in the near future. No, the people that run it. <laughs> not surveyors. Yeah. Surveyors are good. We're good, think huh? about this. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, you can have drones and stuff, but somebody's mm-hmm. going to be flying the drones. Somebody's going to be telling the drones right. where to go. And yeah. somebody has to have, a you know, the baseline drones work off of. I don't know what I'm talking about. If I have one, <laughs> one class. No, no keep going. You sound good. You sound yeah, like you know yeah, what you're yeah. talking but, about. Uh, you're hyping it up just right. But that's the one. <laughs> that's the thing that it's like. There are some things that I don't think can be replaced yeah. by big automation. They can be improved by improved. technology, like yes. a total station. Yep. I'm sure when total stations came out, old school surveyors were like, this is mm, ridiculous. I don't right. need a total station to do my work. I can, well, you know, it turns out it, it makes you a lot better and, and more people can survey things and it, it broadens <laughs> the field. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it's no different than when word processing came out and typesetters lost their mind or mm. when the spreadsheet came out and statisticians thought that the world was going to end, you know, um, you know, here's a mind blowing one. How about yeah. cursive? We used to learn cursive. I don't think they teach you cursive anymore. I could not write cursive now if I had to. I could. <laughs> Hudson's, Hudson's actually learning it. The Z was the craziest letter. Why it did makes they no do sense that? the way they write it. Yeah. yeah and then the, the, Q F, is... the cursive F. Mm. <laughs> ah. <laughs> do they still teach it? Yeah, he's learning. He's learning it right now in fourth grade. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. I thought they. I That's thought crazy. I heard they don't teach He'll it. He'll never use it. Anymore. No. He'll never he, use he it. He uses it now, and I'm like, I, I, I just write all capitals like your dad. Mm. <laughs> it's the easiest yeah. way. Exactly. Everybody I, can. I tried read to it. write in cursive uh, a little while ago, and I just found myself like F, uh, and I do like a, you know, block F with yeah. like a curl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you give it a little. Anytime you write a check, and you're like trying to like fill it in cursive, you know, it takes. Man, yeah. it takes forever. Yeah. So, so now with these with these surveyors, you know, you guys are in demand, and like you said, they're not going anywhere. How? When is this industry going to figure it out and monetize it properly? I don't know, but I think there's going to be there are certain things as it pertains to surveying. Not to get too far off topic here, that will definitely benefit from automation, like writing legal descriptions, for example. You know, I mean, I think the days of me sitting and typing a legal description for an hour are damn near gone. You know, mm-hmm. there's an, there's going to be an AI here in the very near future that can do that. You know, looking at a plat and like a, you get a PDF of a plat, there's going to be something that can read that plat and like mm-hmm. do the math, you know, do the coordinate geometry and drop it right in AutoCAD for you. Mm-hmm. And if there's an error in the plat, it'll flag it and be like, eh, you know, look here, there's an error here or whatever. So there's going to be some things that are going to help the profession in a positive way. But surveyors have to embrace those. That's yeah. the biggest thing. These old And surveyors guys. have to review it. They still have to review it, it. For sure. Yep. And vet the results because mm-hmm. I mean you're legally responsible, right? Absolutely. That's, that's the big thing about a survey is you're you're providing legal documentation. Mm-hmm. And if somebody just kind of 
throws the numbers into chat GPT and like yep. pastes them into the document and then walks away. They're not doing a great job, mm -hmm. right? It's smart for them to do that, but then they have to kind of go just read it. Did mm -hmm. I get it right? Okay, I'm good. For sure. And it can speed up their work, but right. they're still responding. You know, chat GPT isn't going to be sued. Right. Chat GPT out. doesn't care about your liability. Yeah, whoever's <laughs> yeah, stamping that document sure. is on the hook, obviously. So for sure, yeah. And like, can I ask you guys a survey question? Sure. One of us can answer it. Okay. <laughs> so I bought a property recently, and I we walked the perimeter. We're trying to figure it all out. We have like our big roll of, of uh, tape measure and stuff. Like, okay, this is, this is it. This is that. We got to an important corner and I moved the leaves away. Yeah. And we found the, the big iron stake. Yeah. And then we found a shorter iron stake about three inches away with a pink <laughs> ribbon tied to it. I know. And then we moved some <laughs> other things and then we found flush with the ground like a wooden peg. Oh my a God. A dowel that had been driven in. Yep. There's three different markers. Horrible. Yeah, when you can't find it, you just make a new one. That's horrible. That Which is, one is right? That is surveyor. <laughs> do I take the, do I take the average? That's surveyor arrogance <laughs> at its finest. You know, that's like, no, I can measure better than that guy. Absolutely. It doesn't belong there. It belongs Is that here. what it is? Is that what it's like? It's the next totally guy comes in and is. is like, I'm yes. getting paid to survey this place. Totally this what it is. I, yeah. Okay. yeah. Legally standing, would it be the most recent survey boundary? Like whoever, whatever the surveyor that stamped that? Yeah. <sighs> Gosh, you know, and that's what you see it all the time. That's what we call a pin cushion when you oh, visit a corner yeah, and you find three or four corners there. It, to me, it's like an absolute embarrassment to the profession because if you are there and, you know, you calculate a point that's three tenths away from a point that's already there, you just accept the original monument. You know, to set another monument is just ludicrous. To so be it's all ego. All ego. Guys. Ego driven. Because you get your stake yeah. with your name on it yep. and you're excited. Or not to get too far off topic, it's also the crew chief or the party chief out in the field who is directed to go out there and set the corner, right? Go set the corner here. He, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, doesn't know that, well, if I go to set the corner and I find one three tenths away, maybe I should just hold that one. My boss told me to set the corner, so I'm setting the corner. So you it's know? a lack of yes. knowledge, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And that, okay, so with the AI, yeah. we're talking about making maps and surveying. Yeah. Um, for both of you guys, what do you see... Do you see it positive with the younger generation where they're actually learning the 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 work and the craft and everything? Or are they just kind of getting along with the software? And as long as they're good with that, they don't need the background. Well, I, I yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, John. I'm blown away by the work. So I get to see the work of students occasionally, which mm -hmm. is like a gift. It's fantastic. And I love it. Um, the creativity and the ideas that come out of them are fresh. And also, this is a this is a generation that, unlike me, grew up with digital technology, right? Yep. When when I was in high school, I like thought, well, I should save up for a computer. I can, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on this. And I went to college, and I had to ask the computer lab how to turn it on. You know, these are people who are native speakers mm. of this experience. They're in it, and it just makes sense to them. And so they don't have all that baggage and debt of trying to figure things out you know, and like translate an analog system of thinking into a digital system of thinking. They're in a digital world and they're used to a digital way of being. And, you know, you see babies like swiping photographs, physical photographs, <laughs> trying to make a move around. Yeah. The, it, things just make more sense to them. So they've got more time to just skip ahead. They can leapfrog and say, well, what if we do this? And they're a little bit more like a fluent speaker 
of a language and you can have more fun and riff a little bit more when you're a fluent speaker of a language. I'm just, I'm really impressed. Yep. And, you know, we're human beings. And so there's always going to be a uh, fear of like learning a new technology and like, I'm doing a tutorial. I better get it step-by-step step, and mm. I'm kind of scared and nervous, but that goes away after time, after a while, you know, I, I did it right. I got to the end and now the next time I do it, I'm like, what happens if I just kind of, you know, steer it off the tracks mm. a little bit here and see what happens. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. So yeah, yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Nick, what's, uh, what's your perspective? Oh, I mean, it's, I've seen both, right? Like, uh, you always, unfortunately the, the squeaky wheel get, you know, gets the most attention. And a lot of times those are the students that are trying to escape by that. They're not reading the instructions, you know, they're, they're just making assumptions and they get to the end and the map is not the right thing or the data is not being represented or visualized correctly. But there are, there are, it's a bell curve and there's, you know, 30, 40, 50% of the students out there, at least in the world of GIS, um, they, they do pretty solid work. And uh, I, somebody said earlier, you know, like maybe they, I don't know if they like their job. That's something really weird about GIS people. Um, I don't know if John would agree with me, but a lot of times they're just like generally happy folk. And uh, maybe it's just because we just like the technology and the nerdiness about it. But, um, you know, because of that, it, it, it lends to kind of committing some amount of love to what you're doing. Uh, of course, like, you know, if you, you don't have the time or the budget of the company that, that can affect it. But yeah, I think it's a catch 22. You see both. I, I'm also curious to see how things like chat GBT, you know, how do we see that come into the world of, you know, map making, for an example, how much how much artificial intelligence can you say, like, are we going to get to a point where I can throw 10 layers into, uh, you know, ArcGIS GPT and then say, please make me a map that's dedicated for surveyors in the U.S. Forest Service? Mm. Um, I, I don't know, you know, but we'll, we'll see. And the other thing about but, GIS is there's it's not like a generational thing, like surveyors. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Right. I would say more of them than not. Yeah. My dad or my parents. Exactly. And, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. GIS oh. is still relatively new enough that you don't have that history. Well, it's of, at the forefront of everything. Yeah, but it's not, you know what I mean, that yeah. historical pass down of skills. It's so yep. evolving every day that there's no way you could do that. Yeah, yeah. I would just piggyback off what, you know, both these guys said that this younger generation, and I'm not sure what age group that should be exactly, but um, they're unbelievable. I mean, the rate at which they learn and comprehend things, um, they, they, are, they are starving for knowledge, mm -hmm. um, starving for direction, you know. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't, I don't want to say they're like these little genius robots or whatever, but I mean, it's unbelievable. The intelligence that's there, it's incredible. They have the intelligence, the smarts, the ability yes. digitally. It's just the passion that's hard to find. Sometimes. And, and again, yep. GIS and surveying, those are things that you you don't just happen into most often. Surveying, Correct. again, more likely than GIS, but you don't just, oh, I just found this job doing this, and, and I don't know anything about it. So like Nick was saying, these guys are happy because they're doing something that they're passionate about. So that's great. Yeah. And there's a yeah. lot of freedom with the technology. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say that there's a lot of variability. Like a map I would make would end up totally different than a map that Nick would make mm. or, you know, any, any of us, each of us would make a different thing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of room for expression, even in yes. um, forming 
the official organization's rules about how everything should be expressed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like no matter what we're pouring ourselves into our work and it'll, you know, uh, we'll brew a little bit of ourselves into the result of that. And over time it kind of turns into what we want it to be, or we turn into, you know, what it wants from us. You know, it's that, that tug. Yeah. But yeah, like there's no one right way to make a map. That's one of the cool things. And so there's always some kind of new interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I guess, one of the things I was like lamenting or warning against of like just quick button pushing and then delivery because I've got the next thing come down the pipe is um, you get stuck in a rut. It's like, oh, I'm just going to do a color coded map or I'm just going to do a heat map mm. and then boom, boom, boom. They're all the same and you miss out on cool insights that could have come up or not even insights, but like better questions to ask as a result of the map which I think is the coolest part of a map is it helps you realize you were asking the wrong question or yeah. ask better questions or the next set of questions. Now with the artistic style of map making, like you said, everybody kind of has their own touch. I would say it's like a signature style, right? Is there, could you describe yours? Do you know what it is? Do you, how do we know? Like, I'm going to look at a map and say, oh, that's a Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's an older style style that I made that might be easier to attach to me because I, I happened to name it. And so there's, and I called it Firefly. And I I would see like these spy movies where you have the, this dark, desaturated, almost black and white screen. And then like they're tracking a dot and it's glowing like a cyan blue kind of thing. And uh, also like lightsabers, you know, you ever see these outtakes of Star Wars where they're working with just the stick and it looks so dumb and stupid, but then they <laughs> rotoscope on the glow effect. You're like, yes, a light. So you can like feel the energy of it. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, called Firefly. So like glowing symbology on top of a dark desaturated base map. That'd be kind of a, a signature. That's so awesome. I, feel, I totally feel like an a-hole saying that. But, That's but that cool. would be something that... Uh, I, I led you right um, into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, but really, a lot of the time, what I'm doing is looking at the past work of really excellent uh, map makers like Erwin Race. It's like this really beautiful mapper who would like, and he was beautiful. You know, his maps were beautiful, but the kind of person who could make something like this, I like really have to respect and admire them. Like this kind of hand drawn terrain maps mm. and cutaway geologic reveals of yeah. places. Um, Imhoff. It's like oh, yeah. a famous one, a, 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 um, a Swiss cartographer from the last century. And he was a painter. So he grew up painting things. He had this amazing sense of using color to uh, provide a feel of a place, like a temperature, cool colors, warm colors. But he would also use structure. And then you can see how that just manifests itself once the guy starts learning um, you know, cartography. And... It's that kind of everything you do, you borrow from that into into what you you know pour into your profession. Yeah, I mean those folks, like you said, they I mean, they were artists creating these oh, maps. Yeah. It's unbelievable Absolutely. when you look at some of those maps. It's incredible. Yeah, it's super cool. So you know, on the flip side, we touched on it. You know, technology is advancing at such a rapid pace right now, and the way that we accumulate data is advancing at such a rapid, I mean, how do you, how do you stay on top of this? I mean, how do you stay on top of the trends? And, uh, you know, on that same note, I mean, what are you most excited about moving forward? I don't stay on top of it. I don't, I'm a Luddite and I'll only know about something if it's just really 
beat over my head. You sure. know, chat GPT. I only learned about that like last week. Me too. My friend told me, <laughs> you know, and I'm seeing it all over Twitter now. I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess that's a thing. Right. Right. Um, but I don't know. Like, tell me about the internet of things. I, I don't know. I don't think about this stuff a whole lot. I'm, I'm just kind of um, having a good time playing around with this stuff yeah. and um, enjoying making how-to videos because I just steal so much joy mm. from revealing a process that I know would have been mysterious to me 10 years ago, you know? Yep. And I would, I would see people show how they made something like uh, Ken Field is a, a cartographer who does really beautiful work. And I look at his stuff and I'm like, how, how did he do? He must've used this and this and this. And he's like, no, here's what I did. It's just this hack. And then this hack and he'll walk through how he did everything. It's like, and then the result is there. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can do that. It was that and simple. Anybody else can do it. And it's, it's perfect. Daniel Hoffman is another example of that. When, when people share um, the process behind a work that is initially maybe a little intimidating there's like so much fun and joy in that. And then you see people's eyes light up and they're like, I can't wait to get home and try this. That's like the best feeling ever is when they say that. Yeah. So let, what do you think of these guys? Can you see that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I listened to the podcast where you guys talked about that. that uh, yeah. The poor guy. Oh, the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm like, oh my God, I got that pamphlet in my laptop bag. I got to pull it out. I Maybe. know you love your conspiracy theories, but that's, no, that's the one. Not, that you that got is that one. not one I am behind. All Trust right. me. I don't think the earth breathes very well when it's flat. No, um, no, not at all. There, there is a limit to your conspiracy theories. <laughs> there is found for it. sure. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, in, in all, you know, the reality of it is, you know, we talked about the ability to collect data and uh, with that, there's risk, right? I mean, how... How concerned should we be about, you know, data privacy and security? Is that something that we need to lose sleep over or no? I don't lose sleep, lose sleep over a whole lot. I definitely don't lose sleep over things that I can't control. Mm. But, um, I mean, I can control what information I choose to share. And probably to my fault, I'll share too much mm. just because you know, life is good and I want people to see it and I'm, I'm happy about things and I want them to see that. But, um, you know, I could probably be better about locking down things and doing two factor authentication. Um, but, uh, I don't know they say more and more, every, everything that's, if it's free, then you are the product to somebody mm. else and they're buying your data. Yep. Um, and I get it. And it's easy to have a knee jerk reaction about that. Like, oh, that's bad. But also, you know, it can be kind of good to, you know, open up Amazon and they're showing me things that I'm actually kind of interested in, <laughs> or, you know, I'm looking at Instagram and it's showing me, you know, you know, cool maps of people who I didn't yeah. know about previously, or, yep. you know, I'm, I'm listening to Pandora and I'm discovering new music because it knows what I like and it's looking at my history. That's my private data. Mm -hmm. I've opted to share with them my preferences and they're saying, you like these things, here's some more things. Maybe you want to buy some of them. Mm. But uh, there are good aspects to it. I mean, obviously, sure. there are bad aspects, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something that uh, has changed my life here in the last week, I recently changed uh, auto insurance ah. uh, companies, ah. right? So my new carrier has an app on your phone that you basically have to oh, I, I know where you're going. download in order to keep... You? 
these discounts, right? Yep. So it tracks your driving you're, you're habits. You're going to be paying like triple. No, no, the no, way no. You drive. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, I would have said that before I downloaded yeah. this app, uh-huh. but now, to be honest with you, I my driving habits have changed completely for the better, for, for the, the safer. Yes, oh, okay. because you're getting monitored. Yes. You got the boss. You got the boss riding shotgun. Yeah, it's that negative yes. feedback. Exactly. Yeah. And then I look Slow at my down, Kent. Yeah, Slow I look down. at my uh, you know my past <laughs> trips and how I'm graded and this and that. You know, so. I don't know. It's just as simple as putting on your seatbelt. That dinging sound annoys you enough until you do it. The yeah. negative reinforcement, they're going to... But it yeah. does not annoy my dad enough for him to actually put on his seatbelt. I have a guy at work like that, and he got the greatest Christmas present ever. It's just a little seatbelt thing you put in there to shut it up. <laughs> oh, he, was the ha- he was the happiest dude. He's uh, an older guy. Like He's yeah. there for fun. You know, He's yeah. got all the money in the world, and... Yeah. That thing lit him up like a two-year-old. That's He's awesome. like, I never have to deal with this again. <laughs> he changed his life. That's <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, I mean, there's stuff like that, you know, but good or bad. I don't know. It's made yeah. a it's made a positive impact. Yeah, I mean, you me. could always take it too far, of course. For sure. The, no question. Yeah, I, I can imagine, um, like, credit card companies, definitely insurance companies, if offer you like hey if you mm. give us access to everything yep. that you do on your phone then we'll probably give you a lower rate do you want to do that yep. and you know you, well, what do i have to hide yep. and you know everybody else is doing that and i want a lower rate and then you know they're, they're doing who knows what with the data but then you I start one you you would modify your behavior that's the whole point is behavior modification but yep. what if you know what if they don't necessarily like some you know elected official that that comes in and they see that you support that person you know what i mean it it could get really really weird and who knows what happens next i don't know yeah there's a there's about a million miles of gray area there yeah i will say this my youngest daughter who's still on my insurance policy she was not a big fan of having to download that app no i don't blame her (laughs) at that age absolutely not but you your daughters are very responsible young ladies i don't stress about that she's gonna have to be yeah (laughs) you're gonna force it get your own insurance good luck (laughs) yeah it sucks she's driving now is that what i heard oh yeah yeah she's 24 24 okay she's riding that train till the end yeah yeah i'm like i'll keep you out of my policy until you're 26 then you're done oh my goodness is that the one getting married no no it's the other one that one she's off my policy i was gonna say or she will be soon yeah exactly Uh, she married a doctor she's fine (laughs) not quite (laughs) you need to go on her policy <laughs> well, all right. Let's get back to the to the subject at hand here, fellas. We're getting off the rails, as Kent would say. Um, I mentioned earlier that you just don't really fall into a career in GIS. There has to be, you know, at least a little bit of pursuit of it to really go after it. Um, I guess what would be the advice to somebody even interested in GIS? How to get started? Um, what skills they want to be stronger in than others, all that good stuff. Like what groups to join, what classes to take, all of it. Yeah. Um, You know what I've seen sometimes is students reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or something. And they'll say, Hey, I've noticed you shared these things as all right. If we chat, I'm thinking about GIS Mm -hmm. and I want to know your experience and perspective. I was never that smart. That would have not even occurred <laughs> to me. I mean, like maybe there's some mentor giving these people advice to do this kind of thing, but I'm blown away anytime uh, somebody does that. Um, I think that would have been pretty helpful to me, come to think of it. But uh, 
yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, there's so many free courses available too online. There's there's MOOCs, you know, massively open. What, what's the second O? Online course, massive open online course, MOOCs, free, and you know a lot of the time they'll just they'll give you the software for the duration of the course and you can just dabble and play and you don't even have to do that it's youtube so my magical 15 year old daughter is really into k-pop <laughs> and she started drawing pictures of her you know k-pop favorites and then she started drawing it in illustrator because my son who's older than her you know let her use the computer and he showed her like some things in illustrator here's how you can trace you know, in a vector. She started doing these really elaborate vector tracings of K-pop idols. And she got so good at it. And I was like, Willow, you should, um, you should just record this process. I would, I, I see things like this on YouTube all the time, like fast forward drawing, people doing a drawing really mm. fast. In yep. five minutes, it's this amazing thing. She's like, okay. And so she learned all of the software by herself. And she like failed hard a lot and things would get erased and she would get front, but she would just keep working at it. And she would ask me a question and I'd say, honestly, I have no idea what the answer is for that. Cause I don't know. And then I would come back two hours later and she had figured it out, but that means she had failed and failed and failed and failed for two hours yep. and eventually figured it out. And then she told me everything. I'd be like, I would have like pulled my hair out and quit by then. You know, I'm spoiled. She's determined. And she puts her, these, uh, fast forward drawings on youtube and she gets like a thousand views of awesome. people watching her like create these you know beautiful works of art and what's um, her uh, username so we can all give her a free adobe blog adobe adept okay. adobe adept is youtube her youtube channel cool. and she's great but uh the point of it is there's so many cool online resources where um like you can go to youtube and learn anything you know i did like take the mower blades off my lawnmower deck. Mm. Where mm -hmm. do you go? You go to YouTube. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. I want to learn how to do this or that. I go to YouTube and it's the same for GIS. Most of the time when I don't know how to do something, if I look at it on YouTube, I'll see somebody go through it really quickly. I'm okay. I got it. And I'm out and it's, it's so great. And then, you know, maybe I'll stay because what they're working on is interesting, but like, Oh, that is kind of cool. And I'll try something else and learn something on accident. But, uh, there's a lot I'm of resources. How often uh, when you're Google searching or, uh, you know, on YouTube searching for something in GIS, do you find your own content? Because when I search for how to do things in GIS, <laughs> your content comes up. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So everybody out there listening, definitely find John Nelson and all the, the social media sites. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. What else? You got anything else, Nick? I don't know. Um, I, if... If you had to tell a student one thing about, um, say, their portfolio or resume, you know, taking this step in terms of filling out a LinkedIn page um, or doing one of those like job finders, any thoughts on any of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and it's to have a portfolio. It's easy to not have a portfolio. And, and I think you've, you've had all these classes and every class had at least like five things that had a physical image result that you could just, you know, take a screenshot of and share somewhere, you know, put it on your Instagram page, created a free Instagram page of, you know, my portfolio, just small pictures. I've seen some dazzling Instagram mm. portfolios of people and people who probably didn't realize that they were portfolios. You know what I mean? They're just into 
of the work that they're doing. Maybe it's maps and they just take a screenshot. Can't wait to share it on Instagram. You know, they trace K-pop idols and put it on YouTube because they're really into it. That's a portfolio. And, uh, you know, now Willow has this portfolio of videography that she's done. And if you're into something and you're a maker in this world that we're living in, this gigantic digital space, there's so many opportunities to share that result with, with other people. You have a portfolio almost on accident. The mm. best kind of portfolio is the accidental portfolio. It's because it's a manifestation of your passion. Um, so yeah, I would, I would advise students to just have a portfolio, find some digital place, a free WordPress place, and just you know dump your work. And a, a sneaky bit of advice that I give to college students is if you have an assignment that you did for your class, um, do a second version of that assignment with a little bit different data mm. and then share the results and then say, this is mine. I did this because I had an assignment and it made me curious. And so I just did this one for fun. And when somebody looking at your portfolio sees that, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for button pushers and rule, you know, rule followers or committee members when you're hiring people, when you are interviewing somebody and say, Oh, this, this one I did for fun because you know, I did this assignment, but this is the one I did for fun. I'm like, oh, now I'm listening. This is a, a go-getter who's intrinsically motivated. And it's so easy, you know, because you've already done the work. Just swap out the data and say, you know, I did this with different data because I was curious. Mm. Wow. That's a big differentiator. A little life hack for everybody right there. I like life it. Yeah, I like that. I feel I like, like you should have whispered it, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, my concern is, and not to be like the Debbie Downer of the group here, but I'm just so blown away by this chat GPT and mid-journey and stuff like that. It's going to get to the point where it's like, how do you know if that individual actually <laughs> used their creative mind to create these things, you know? Because these AIs are just doing so much right now. Have you ever heard of Grammarly? No. Mm -mm. So Grammarly has been around for a little bit longer now. It's not quite what chat GPT can do, but Grammarly, when you're writing, I mean, Grammarly will make suggestions on your sentences. It'll change grammar for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like a widely accepted, uh, kind of a, the next generation of spell check. Oh, wow. um, another one out there, you know, but I see it on uh, the social media platforms right now. A lot of conversation going on about it. Um, I'd be, I'm really curious to see what people say when it comes to plagiarism and such. Yep. And I, I've never done it, but if if I type in something in chat GPT and say, you know, John, you type in the exact same thing, will it say the same response to the same question? Mm, interesting. I, yeah, I don't think so, because there's like a stochastic process in there with some randomization. It would, it would probably give you something different. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy stuff. So you never know what you're going to get. Maybe so. Yeah. Life yeah. is like maps. Are Life like is like a box of Chad GPT. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this kind of thing too, though, like uh, because you get you get this circular feedback. Yeah. Where, um, Grammarly, Grammarly is fed real world grammar, and then it corrects you and makes suggestions, and you're like, oh, okay, you follow that, and then the public starts creating something more along the lines of what Grammarly will produce, and then. Grammarly is using that and you just get this uh, uh, neutered version of, of a language. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. People always... that shouldn't be using words will use them and not know how to use them. And it'll yeah. all just blend into this blah. 
Yeah. And often I'll, oh. I'll be writing something and I'll get the blue squiggly line for like a grammar. Like this isn't right. I'm like, no, it's right. And it's better than what you're suggesting. You're suggesting you, you be grammar. quiet. You grammarly. Yeah. That yeah. ignore all button is fantastic. Yeah. I don't care if yeah. I look like an idiot. It's my words. Yeah. But those are the tools that are grading SAT essays. And so that's what people are coached to. And so you start getting this uh, incestuous sort of uh, product that that uh, loses a little bit of creativity. But I mean, all it is is like accelerated school because you go to school and they're like, no, don't do, you know, you got to color in the lines. You know what I mean? Yep. No, you got to learn cursive and you have to stay within the lines and your loops have to be this big. Mm. It's all, you know, a conflict. Conf I think there's process. a lot of place for it for repetitive, you know, text and speech. I mean, you'd mentioned legal descriptions, you know, yep. I don't think you're very far away from that or writing code, but yep. is the chat GPD going to be the next, you know, Hemingway or, you know, Shakespeare or really be that super creative chain breaker, you know, that's just totally different than what the norm is. And I, I hope we don't lose that. Yep. Well, here's, Here's something that somebody told me the other day. Um, they had written a children's book. He and his two sons wrote a children's book using chat GPT with their input, right? And then use MidJourney to create the graphics for the book. Oh, wow. And then, I guess, published, upload, I have no idea what the process looks like, to like Amazon Books or whatever. And then he opened a bank account for his kids, so any money that is generated through the sales of this book. And he's like, I did this in 30 minutes. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. You never know. People pick it up on a whim and I get guess, a few bucks here know. and there. Yeah. So now I think we've circled a lot here tonight, boys. We did. But what's the reason we all come here? Uh, tonight to see you, Shoots. No, 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 no. <laughs> we got to get, get some final wisdom out of John. Do you have a mantra? that you live by and uh if you don't mind share it with us and explain it no what I, I no. oh I man i'm out done <laughs> i don't have a mantra i'm a simple man I'm a simple, simple man. man that's and, a song uh, i came back for that answer i'm out done <laughs> sean's I, back next week i plot along forward there um, you go plot along forward done oh, yeah plot i along like it forward i like it plot along forward um, but gonna... like, I, mantras, I don't know, like advice. There's a, uh, I, I learned a, a while back, you know, in my, my first, maybe halfway through my career was if you're going to say yes to something, like really do it then. Mm. Cause if you say yes to something and then are really half-hearted about it or passive aggressive about it and, you know, drag your feet and complain about it, yep. then you were better off saying no, mm. cause you don't get any of that credit. As a result, they're like, oh, this guy, he's doing it, but he sucks at it. So if you say yes, even if you don't want to do it, like change your mind and own it and really enjoy the process. So love it. Plot along. That's not a mantra, but it's uh, it's some it's advice. Words of advice. I yes, love it. I'm going to put it. the mantra as if you say yes, own it. <laughs> say How's yes, that? Own it. Yeah, yeah I go. like that. I like we'll that. simplify That's it. Good. You know, don't That's say good. if you want to say no, say no. But if say you no say okay. yes, yep, for own sure, own it. Sometimes you, you should have said no. <laughs> it's okay to say it's okay to say that's no. a mantra that's okay my mantra to say no sometimes i should have said no yeah <laughs> i live that daily oh, man. 
Right. <laughs> uh, so funny. Well, John, hey, listen, I, we've covered a lot tonight. Um, is there anything else you want to get out there that maybe we haven't talked about? No, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it's been a blast. Um, I've got, I'm like a secret fan of fan of uh, surveying. And, and I know Kent, <laughs> apparently you're like the official surveyor, but yeah. More Every, power to surveyors. Everybody is, uh, it's amazing to me how many people are closet surveyors. It really is. Yeah. I'll put you in that category, Jen. I'm a lurking surveyor. A lurking surveyor. <laughs> That's what Grammarly really told me to say. That's funny. How about you, Shoots? Anything else? No. I'm, thanks for having me back. I, uh, Good to see you, my I, friend. I've missed this world, and uh, thank you. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, don't be a stranger. Uh, you know, I know where you guys are until you move in a few months. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you know where we're going. Nick, how about you? Anything else? No, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to John. Good to see you again, Shoots. And uh, it's it's wonderful seeing what you're doing for the community, you know, the geospatial community, GIS community. Keep it up, John. I know there's a lot of fans out there in, in the world of GIS that uh, really appreciate what you do. So thank you so much. And thanks, well, thanks, thanks for being a U2 fan as well, John. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't help it. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. It's been our <laughs> pleasure. Great conversation. And uh, hopefully do it again sometime. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Here we go. The, the big exit. Adding value and making friends. That's what we do here at the Geoholics. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at the geoholics.com. You too. Trip through your wires. Shoots his favorite song. Available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. <laughs> Google this pulsing earth. You are going to be amazed. Most importantly, plot along forward and be safe and healthy. <laughs> A lot of long forward. Thanks, guys. Love it. Trip through your wires. You love good songs. Never heard this one before.